Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, sitting down with us, I have Coach Brad Dixon. He is currently the head football coach and head track coach at Central High School in Camp Point, Illinois. Uh, Coach was gracious enough to say yes to come on here, uh, my lonely podcast here. So, Coach, welcome. Thank you so much for spending time doing this. I know you're busy. Hey, no problem. Um, I enjoy doing these, and and each one kind of takes a different direction, and makes me think and, and have answers for, uh, questions and, and, uh, I guess maybe refine my thinking a little bit more. So I really do enjoy, um, getting on these from time to time and, and talking ball. Well, that's a lot of pressure on me now to make sure this is worth your while. That's a lot of pressure <laughs> being put on me. Um, so I'm just gonna, this, this we're just gonna go off on rabbit holes. I'm just gonna figure out, um, each school district during the summer, We've all been able to do different things. Like before we record, I said, I only got two or three weeks with my kids. Like, 
So what was your school district allowing you guys to do during COVID time during the summer? Because everybody was different. Like, so what were you guys able to do? Yeah, we, we weren't able to do any football stuff um, specifically. So oh, early June, I think, whenever we were able to get into, um, I don't remember, phases, stages. You remember all that? Everything mm-hmm. kind of changed. Yeah. Um, we were able to do workouts outside, no weight room, uh, really no equipment except for um, a free lap chip that we, we would um, clean off in between each run. And so we set up uh, roughly eight stations um, with – we divide all the kids up and, and we put them in specific groups based upon ability and, and age and things like that or, or household if we had brothers. Um, and then those, those stations rotated or those groups rotated, but those groups never changed throughout the summer. So we had to have stationary and uh, as coaches – in order to stay, <clears throat> excuse me, with our station, we had to be whatever it was, 15 or 30 feet away. Uh, so we couldn't get up in there and, and coach. Otherwise, you had to stay with that specific group. And so we, we, we worked out as an entire um, athletic department. Uh, so we had our basketball coach, our baseball coach, all of our football coaches. At, you know, I coached track. So we were all there, and we each took a station, and we, and we would do that for roughly an hour, hour, 15 minutes, just two days a week. Um, they were willing to, to let us have Tuesday, Thursdays, uh, which was good because we hadn't done a lot of things in months. Um, and our kids are used to training almost every day, uh, all year long in PE. So, uh, we did that for, uh, maybe four or five weeks. And then, uh, we, we got in, I think a week after the 4th of July and the school decided that, uh, and, and we hadn't had any cases. We, we were taking the temperatures. We hadn't had anything going on, um, but our cases were rising a little bit in the county, and their ultimate goal was to get us back into school. And they felt like, uh, you know, with that being our number one goal, the, the risk of uh, an outbreak or something like that potentially happening at workouts. So they shut us down, uh, I think, second week of July. And so we did nothing through the rest of July, we had no camp, no, nothing football related. Um, and then we didn't do anything through August. Uh, and then once school started, um, I was able to kind of do something pretty similar with my PE class, uh, kind of getting them started or my PE classes throughout the day. We stayed outside, still no weight room. Um, and they let us have eight football contact days because, multi-sport athletes, small school. Uh, they weren't going to give everybody the 20 or 30 or whatever we could get. So we each got eight. So we did eight days of football. Um, we had issues like everyone else with contact tracing and things like that. Things that were happening in school, nothing happened in football. And so we didn't have all of our kids, but you know, I'd say daily we had between 35 and 40 out of our 50, um, you know, and, and because, of a situation that might've happened in school or whatever. So we were able to get those days in and those were good. And then finally, uh, I think middle part of November, we moved our, you know, once wrestling was canceled um, or postponed or moved or whatever you want to call it, we moved our weight room from our weight room facility, which is, you know, it's not small, but it's not spacious. And, And some of my classes have 38 people in them. And it was going to be impossible to keep people separate and, and have contact tracing and all that. So we were able to move our weight room um, into our auxiliary gym and set up uh, essentially pods of four, three to four kids per class. And uh, that's where we've been. So we, we finally, after I think eight months, almost eight months to the day, we were able to get back into a weight room 
Um, but we continue to sprint and jump and do all those things. So, so luckily for me, um, I've been able to still train our athletes daily. Uh, we, we implemented a block schedule for, for the COVID. Um, so I don't see them all every day, but I, I get to see them and, and train with them for five, five days out of the week. And, and, uh, even though we're not doing football stuff, I'm still getting an opportunity to work with kids. So that, that's been, like I said, the saving grace. Hey everybody, as you know, the Coach Steve Show is brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. And in case you've missed it, they've recently par- partnered with FUBU TV. Now what is FUBU TV? FUBU TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. It is 2020, it's time to cut the cord. If you don't believe me, please click the link in the episode description or on the social media profile, and you can get a seven-day free trial. So please, again, go click on the link for FUBU TV in the episode description, or in the social media profile, get a seven-day free trial to support the Coach Steve Show podcast, as well as the Unhinged Sports Network. Recently, the Coach Steve Show has joined with the Unhinged Sports Network. It's an off-the-ground sports network that has different podcasts and is playing 24-7. So it's a podcast radio type website. So every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the Coach Steve Show will have a new episode out. And they have partnered with Fanatics.com. So what I need you guys to do is in the episode descriptions and on social media is click on the Fanatics link and go get yourself some fan gear. Any team that you want, they have the gear for. Shirts, polos, hats, pullovers that have zips, stocking stuffers, anything like that, anything. Any team you want, they have. So please just support the podcast and support the Unhinged Sports Network. Please click on the, please click on the link in the description. Please click on the link in the social media and go buy stuff. They have anywhere, anywhere. I've seen anywhere between 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% off all, all their apparel. So with sports coming back, please go get some apparel to support your team. So again, click on the link, go get yourself some gear, and thank you for all the support. Yeah, uh, like I told Coach before we recorded, I got hired in June. I had to wait like a couple days for the fingerprint to go through and all that stuff. And I only got to be on the kids for a week and a half. And it was just body weight stuff. Very weird, but you know what? Those kids wanted to be there. That's all that mattered. They were bouncing around. Like, I don't know if this happened to you. Like the first couple of days, they went all out. And we're like, hold on, guys. You're just getting back. Don't be going all out. We're not here to to, to kill each other. We're like, we were just doing, you know, a lot of movement, a lot of body weight, a lot of speed, a lot of this. And then the, the contact days, we got another two weeks. And it was the same thing that first day. They're going all out, even our, you know, um, movement stretches stuff or whatever i'm like guys slow down like don't be hurting yourself mm-hmm. they just wanted to be there and uh i don't know about you i'll wear a mask all, all like everybody but yelling in one just kills me like yeah I mean, <clears throat> um and we we were uh we initially um as long as we were within that 30 feet we could take the mask off but then just out of precaution um we just kept those masks on the whole time just as a coaching staff, we wanted to kind of eliminate ourselves, hopefully, from from 
things that, that may hurt our athletes. And so, you know, even when we had our football contact days, you know, there was the, the murkiness of mask and when you can take it off and all that for players. We did all of our contact days with our players wearing a mask. The only time they got to take it off is when they socially distanced taking water. The coaches kept them on the whole time. And, and you know, it, it really proved, like you said, that kids will adapt to whatever. And I think that's kind of the frustrating point uh, with all this is, is the kids are willing to do whatever it takes. Coaches are willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get back to some sense of normalcy. Um, and, and if there's rules, you know, we'll follow them, um, you know, in our program to a T and, and even above and beyond. So A, that we keep kids safe, but B, so so no one questions, um, you know, what we're doing. But, um, you know, we haven't got that chance. And, um, you know, hopefully that's still coming. You know, our kids are still training and and. I get it. If I was a high school kid, especially if I was a senior and coach is still having me lift and sprint and do all that. And, and my seasons are kind of just hanging out there. And I don't know if it's, it's going to happen or not. I, I could see where that could get uh, definitely frustrating and, and depressing, but our kids have been good about, you know, staying the course and, and uh, you know, whenever the, the, the chains are lifted, uh, I think our kids will be ready. Um, it, it, you know, if our eight days were, were any inclination, you know, from a football program for sure. Yeah, we were fortunate because we're a bigger school. So we had like more coaches. So we had more groups. And so we could have more kids. Um, and we were able to do the, since we have more room, not to brag, but like we were just very fortunate. It's just very fortunate. We did six yards apart. So like the kids were so far apart because we were so worried about athletic director walking by, principal coming by. And we told them six yards at the beginning in the summer because mm -hmm. we were like, we're going to follow this to a T, like you said, to a T and then, and then some to prove that they, we want to do this. We're here to take this seriously. And like you said, coaches, we just never took the mask off. We were not allowed to. The rule for us was six feet. Like if you're six feet away, you can pull it down and say whatever. We were so worried about the rules that we were just like, you know what, you know, kind of screw it. We'll just wear it. We're, we're not going to risk it. Right. Um, I applied for some head coaching jobs before this, and I'm really glad I didn't get one when this happened. I was like, I don't need <laughs> this. Uh. Our head coach took the job in February before this happened. <laughs> so every time I see him, I'm like, aren't you glad you took that job? And he'll say things I can't repeat, but it, mm -hmm. it is what it is. Uh, no, and then I, I, I told people this, like some coaches are getting tired because they're like, we're working out, we're working out, and we don't even know if we're going to play. And I said, but think of it this way. If you weren't doing the stuff with the kids, they would see that and be like, oh, that coach doesn't believe that we're going to play or they're not prepared. So even though it's like, I don't like the term grinding it out, but you know, like you're working hard to be prepared for it. And it shows those kids, you work hard to be prepared for it. And if you don't, they're going to see that they're smart. They're going to see that. And they're not going to go with you after that. Cause what if you do play and you're like, Oh, we have done nothing. Yeah. And, and I try to be honest with them and they ask me what my thoughts are. And, and uh, you know, before, before the vaccine and, and honestly, before Thanksgiving, I said, you know, basketball and football are slim. I, I still think, uh, track and, and baseball and softball are, are, can be a go. Um, I feel pretty confident in those as confident as I can be. Uh, but then once we didn't see the huge spike after Thanksgiving and, uh, you know, the vaccine's starting to roll out telling the kids, Hey, you know, there's hope. Um, and all we can do is take care of our, ourselves and our own situation and, and put ourselves in the best chance to be successful when that time comes. Cause eventually it will, um, you know, and, and it might not for our seniors, but they can be good leaders and, and, uh, you know, give back to the program and, and those types of things. So 
so yeah, we're, we're, you know, we don't, we don't hide from it. We don't, you know, say things that aren't true. And, and, um, you know, I, I'll give them my, and it's just my opinion on what I think. Um, and, and, and I, we just try to be honest with them and our kids have responded well. Um, you know, we've got a few more kids coming in, but I think, you know, we've, we've got a school of 242 and, and I think daily I, we, you know, or throughout the week in all my classes, I've got 105 to 108 athletes, boys and girls. So, I mean, almost half of our school is in athletic PE, um, which is in, and they can't change. So they know when they have PE and, and for one of my classes, they do have PE every day because of our schedule. They, they, they wear athletic clothes. They wear shoes. You know, we can't use a locker room. They, they have sacrificed, you know, for that regard. And I haven't had any issues with kids not, not being dressed and things like that, which was, was an, you know, something I thought about at the beginning when they said no locker room, no change, you know, you can walk the track. That was kind of the initial back in July. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm thinking, gosh, I want to go back to teaching history because I taught history for about 12 years that that's going to be a lot easier than trying to figure out, especially when we went to block and I had lucky land casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky, lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. 80 minutes. I thought, what are we going to do for 80 minutes? We can't walk the track for 80 minutes. And so we we slowly, you know, because I didn't want to ruffle feathers and cause issues at the beginning. We were all just hoping to stay open. And so we, we did things, like I said, we were outside until it got too cold to be outside. And, um, you know, when it initially, when it was rained and things like that, we, we started, uh, uh, reading Chopwood carry water as an entire athletic class. And so we're doing a chapter of that a week and answering questions and reflecting. And so we did that on some bad weather days. And it was like I said, I didn't, I didn't know how much physical activity we were going to be able to get in. But, uh, you know, it's been way better. We, we, we stayed in school the entire time in person. Obviously we've got some kids hybrid. We've had the quarantines, we've had, you know, the close contacts, we've had all that kind of stuff, but you know, we were able to make it in school every single day, um, for the entire semester. So, you know, that was kudos to, you know, the, the administration, the bus drivers, the janitors, everybody for, um, you know, making sure that we could, do what we needed to do and you know because i think we've all learned 
that uh, having kids in the building and learning uh, is way better than uh, any type of virtual learning. And, and, you know, I think the spring definitely showed the importance of uh, in-person school for sure. Yeah, we've been remote this whole time. We've, we've tried to go hybrid and every time we've tried, the numbers spike up. And so we can't. And I helped a teacher out with PE and just watching them try to do PE remote is difficult. They're trying so hard and it's, you know, they're trying to make them do workouts, but they have their camera off. We just see the name and, and it's so frustrating. I don't know what half the kids look like. Our middle school mm-hmm. has a thousand kids and I'm in eighth grade. I don't know what half the kids look like who I work with at all or what they sound like. And I'm like, we need to get back. Like yeah. I, we just, and, um, you know, coach all ball. I talked to him mm-hmm. and he told me they went back when in August, he said that first day and a half, they just let the kids talk to each other because they were so happy to be there. They were so happy to be around each other. He's like, we didn't learn nothing for a day and a half. I just let them be kids like social distance. And I said, was the mask a problem? And he said, no, like they know, like that has to be on. And they just talked to each other. They were this, this, and this. And, and then I said, what kind of, whoever thought they would get tired of playing video games all of a sudden, we're getting back to them wanting to go outside. Yeah. Like when we all grew up, like we had Nintendo, but then it's like we go ride our bike, we go to the park. Like now they're tired of video games. I didn't know that yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. I mean, they're organizing pickup football games and, and doing all those things like we used to do. And when you'd leave the house and maybe you'd come home for lunch, maybe you wouldn't, you know, but you, <laughs> yeah, those, I've, we've had a lot of kids. People have sent me pictures, you know, hey, just want to let you know all your boys are out. You know, the, from freshmen to seniors, and then they, they're playing seven-on-seven seven and shirts and skins and doing all that and, and you know, people's fields, and, and I think that's awesome. And, again, it just shows you the value of the physical, you know, activity part of this, sports, you know, PE. You know, I think sometimes those always take a back burner to, to math, science, and, and, you know, and English and all that. But, uh, you know, we, we try to do, you know, those things as a focus during the spring. And without, you know, the other aspects of it, the social aspect, the physical activity, the sports, you know, you just don't give kids that full experience. I'm not saying that, that the academic courses aren't important. They're obviously important, uh, but they're a part of a much bigger picture of, of educating kids. And, and uh, you know, we're missing a big piece right now that uh, we need to get back because, uh, you know, the, the accountability and just just having another set of adults that care and are worried about kids outside of the classroom for a couple more hours a day for a weekend for Friday nights, you know, is a game changer. And and I'm sure you can think back to positive influences you had in your life. Uh, Coaches, um, you know, the, the people that, that run the extracurricular clubs and organizations that maybe haven't been able to do some of their stuff. I mean, those are important people because you kind of get out of that academic setting that probably the, the biggest change that I've seen over the last four or five years that I've fully transitioned into PE is I've got more time to build relationships when we're working out and in between sets and in between sprints than I ever did in a classroom. When you're sitting at a desk in a structured environment, you know, cause it's what we have to do, right. We kind of got to run a daycare. Um, you don't have that chance to go up to, to Johnny and say, Hey, you know, how's it going? How's things at home? Mm-hmm. You know, 
And, and when I'm in PE, I, that's all I do in between things is I have an opportunity to build even greater relationships, things that I always did in football. Now I can do it throughout the day. And, you know, and I know some people that, that PE has become a classroom of health and, you know, watching videos. And, and, and there's a time and place for some of that. But that's not what physical education was designed to do. It is, it is physical activity to get kids moving and, and doing things and, and learning to play and re, or relearning to play um, like they used to when, when kids. I mean, I hold all the time with my you know soon-to-be four-year-old and soon-to-be six-year-old. They play all day long. They run and jump, and they're setting up obstacle courses, and I'm always on my daughter about stop jumping on the couch. I mean, that that's what they're wired to do, and then when we – bring them in, you know, obviously the remote thing, you set them in front of a computer all day. That's terrible. You know, or you set them in a desk all day and you remove all the, the, the physical activity part of it with, with sports and, and extracurriculars and things like that. It's just, it, it's not what's best for kids. And it, you know, the sooner we can get back to, to being able to do those things, uh, the better. And I know me personally, and I, and I was a good student, um, I didn't have to try that hard. I, I was just kind of could naturally remember things. But I mean, I, I also caused some mischief here and there just because I would get bored of sitting around. And, and PE was my favorite subject. And, and I, you know, couldn't wait to get out on the practice field. And, and it made me stay more in line with doing things in the classroom than, um, you know, if that's all I had to do. And, and uh, you know, like I said, so you know, we, we need that back. And, and hopefully in 2021 and, and soon we're going to be able to get um, moving in that direction again. Yeah. Um, I told a coach, it, I was the same way. I played three sports. I was not a straight A student, but I wasn't failing. I was like right there. I was just smart enough to keep going. And I told people it, the sports was a reinforcement for class. People don't want to hear that, but some kids that sport was like, like you said, we sit here all day. We do our homework. We take our tests. The reward, our reinforcement is I get to go to practice. I get to go hang out with my friends. I get to go to PE. I get then I get to go to football. I get to go to soccer. I get to go to track, and that's like a reinforcement, if that makes sense. Like we all work. People work to get paid. People work to do this, and that made me ready to go about it. But I was like, that was a reinforcement for me. I knew if I did good, I sat in there, I did my quiz, I did my test, my homework, I could go to the football field, and that was my two hours that I could just be myself, and I felt good about it. That's that balance, and that's the way I look at it. It's kind of like a reinforcement, and like. I don't know about other people at the school I was at. We had a hard time with grades already. Like that first couple of contact days, I pulled my offensive lineman over and like 10 of them didn't just like, oh, I, I'm just bored or I'm just tired of looking at the computer and they don't turn their work in. I'm like, oh no, this is going to start happening. Mm -hmm. And like, I have an Xbox that's sitting right over there and I can't imagine being 16 years old, being <laughs> on the class and be like, you know, I could go turn that on right now and play Madden or Fortnite. Or, you know, they're not really paying attention if we're there. <clears throat> I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go do this, which is fine. But it's like, you're not there for class. And people don't want, people complain to me, like, how do we fix this? I'm like, come back in the building. Well, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, well, then I don't know what to tell you. That's the only way to fix it is if we get this vaccine rolling and we get the numbers down is to do hybrid. And then we slowly get back. Uh and you brought up something else. When I was at Charleston, I didn't work in the building. I worked overnight and I was going to school and I was an OC. I did it all. And I would get to the school early. I get to our field house early. I had an open door policy before practice. The door was wide open. If seniors, they got to school early, they could come in and talk to me about anything. 
and they come in and talk to me about things they won't talk about to the teacher. And I'm like, this right. relation, and I was young, I was like 23. And I'm like, the relationship between a coach and a player is like sacred. Like we had a couch in the coach's office. Like that's the therapy couch. So when kids came in, they sat right there. I was like, all right, tell me about your day. What's going on before practice? And I was like, no offense to teachers. I was like, they don't have that with their math teacher. They don't have that with, you know, social studies no. teacher. Right. And, and you try your best, but there's just so many kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, you may have 170 kids each day. And you know, if, if you're trying to teach content and, and we've got to get this stuff in for the SAT and we got to meet these standards and I'm getting evaluated here and I've got my Danielson stuff I got to get done. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like pedal to the metal. We got to get this stuff in. And uh, you know, it's hard to have those times where, because if you do have some downtime and, and maybe you're talking to another group of kids and an administrator walks by and, you know, there's nothing going on and the kids aren't staring at a screen and doing that stuff or they're not in the lab creating projects, um, you know, it, then it looks like there's no discipline. But, uh, you know, so you, kids need that type of stuff and kids need to know that the teacher cares about them outside of outside of the grade. And, and, I, and I know, you know, the best teachers do. They do their best and they juggle so many different things. Um, especially now, if it, you know, with the hybrid stuff, if you've got remote kids, you've got in-person kids, you're making videos for this group, you know. So, uh, but but the coaching part is a huge piece. It's just another, uh, like I said, an, an adult positive role model in the building that can, you know, take care of some of those things. Because, you know, even teachers can say, hey, you know, just seems like Johnny's been off a little bit, you know, in my class. And I've tried to talk to him, but he, he just says nothing's wrong. Can, you know, is there any way? And, you know, what a great opportunity for a coach who's got a good relationship to say, hey, you know, how's your classes going? Okay. You know, you doing any of them that you're struggling in? Well, you know, there's just one. I'm just having. And those are ways that you can get information um, to help these kids have a better opportunity to be successful, you know, between teachers and coaches and, and having everyone work together. Um, like I said, that, that just adds another layer of protection or everyone to call it. Um, to help these kids be successful um, outside of just, you know, sitting in that class for 47 minutes or 80 minutes, however long that is. Yeah. And then I, I jumped down another, I have to go backwards. Talk about PE. I remember a couple years ago, there was a teacher up here in the suburbs. Can't remember. There was some study shown they're pushing to have PE in the morning. Like if they can get kids in the morning, because there were studies shown that if they were active, they had better test scores. They were, they could pay attention more. And you talked about PE being on the back burner, but then that study came out. And I said, this is why they need PE. And if you could get it at some time in the morning to help that out, because it does stimulate your brain. Like that's why if, I'm not a fit person, but if I work out, I'd rather do it in the morning than in the middle of the mm-hmm. day. Like today, yeah, I, didn't sure. do in the mo- I didn't do it in the morning today because I'm lazy. I'm on vacation. I'm like, I'll do it later. But <laughs> me personally, I'm like, I'd rather go at 5 a.m or whatever and get it done and then i'm stimulated yeah that, that's another thing that covid kind of i'd say for five or six years um myself and a group of other guys we would we would train at 4 30 in the morning just because that's the time that best fit our schedules they worked other jobs obviously i have kids and a wife at home and they were they would sleep during that time and that just set me up to be ready to roll and and then when covid hit um and we couldn't train at the school anymore. I essentially created a gym in my basement. Well, you can't really get up at four 30 and clang weights around while your kids and wife are sleeping. So then we had to transition to working out at four forty-five in the afternoon or five in the evening. 
and it's just not the same. Now, now some days I'll sleep in before school till six, six fifteen, sometimes even six thirty, and I'm just kind of dragging. And and I, you know, we've got kids, especially after eight eight months off, coming in at eight ten because they just got out of bed five minutes earlier than that. Um, you know, but but to have a NRPs all happen bang 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 in the in the mornings. So we're done with our athletic P by, you know, most years it's by 12. Um, this year, I think it's 1130 ish, just based upon our, our new schedule. But yeah, I mean, we got, we got those things and then, and then hopefully, um, you know, throughout the day, they're more alert and, and ready to roll. Um, and I think it's definitely valuable. And I think it was Naperville, maybe honestly, that, um, that study came from, if I remember right. Yeah, this was, oh goodness, it had been six years ago when I was still in Charleston. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. And so I don't, I can't remember what I did yesterday. So I can't remember what I did, what, six years ago. I, it's weird. I can remember some football stuff, but then I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Like it, it, everything is blended together with this COVID and it's crazy. We're almost a year here. Pretty soon it'll be March. And it's like, oh, this has been a year. <laughs> and it's just crazy. Uh, and people that don't know, you're a strong guy. I remember you're lifting. You put the stuff up at your lift. I'm like, this guy is really <laughs> strong. Like, it, I just turned 30 in November, and I'm looking. I'm like, I don't know if I. I don't know. If that looks too heavy. I'm just like, ah, that looks way too heavy. But, yeah, I, uh, I'll be. What will I be? I think I'll be 37 this coming year. Um, I got. I mean, I always lifted weights. Obviously, I played high school and then I played one year of college football at Knox college, just division three. And then, uh, Oh, did the classic, you know, don't do anything for quite a few years. And then I don't know, 2008 or nine, I kind of got back into it again. And then I would kind of work out in the summer. But then once football hit, I really wouldn't work out. But then after Thanksgiving, I'd start working out again. And then, you know, I'd fall off in football season. So that was kind of, you know, I started working out early in the morning and then, oh, I dabbled in some CrossFit, different things. And then I eventually just kind of gravitated towards some powerlifting. And so that's kind of where I've been for, um, I don't know, the last six or seven years. So, and I kind of, I mean, I try to work out and I know I, you know, I don't preach this, but just for my own sanity, I try to work out five to six days a week. Uh, you know, we, rotate different things. We don't work out for a long time. We're not doing two hour workouts and things like that, but it's just kind of been, I guess, ingrained to me that, that I feel better that way. But, um, you know, I know if I stop working out for a period of time, I know what that feels like to start back up. And so I've just kind of tried to stay with it as long as I've 
been healthy and I've been able to stay healthy and, and, and not had any major injuries or anything. So it's just kind of part of what, what I do. And, and, um, I've got over the years, I've had some good guys that, that, um, train with me and sometimes they're de- you know, dads of players and things like that. And so, you know, continue to build relationships. Yeah. I was going to say what motivates you to lift like that? Because I did the same thing. I tried to play football at Eastern. They didn't work out. I wasn't big enough. And then I did, I did the classic, Oh, let's gain 15, 20 pounds of eating Taco Bell and stuff. Like we're just going to do that. And then I still f- feeling bad about myself. I do good for, here's my problem. I do good for a while. Like I eat where mm-hmm. I, I go to work out. I work out six, seven days a week. Cause I have to eat. And one of the days is just walking on the treadmill. I'm like, I have to. Because then I feel like if I go like during Christmas, if I go have that cookie, I'm like, I have to go do this. <laughs> but then something happens. I hurt my back. I hurt something. And then I just stop. Like, I haven't touched a weight in two months. I just do cardio every day now. Like, I just go on the elliptical because I hurt my back and I couldn't walk. So then I get so worried about lifting. So, like, what motivates you just to be like, I have to lift like this? Like, I just have to keep doing this because I'm, like I said, looking at it, I'm like, I don't want to squat 500 pounds. I'm not saying this is for people. Like, I look at it, I'm like, that, that looks heavy. Like, I used to squat that, squat 500 pounds. I'm like, but now that looks really heavy. I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, you don't want to injure yourself. I think that's that's first and foremost. And, you know, there is an ego part to lifting weights. People say, you know, don't ego lift, but obviously – you know, if you want to, if you do anything, you want to try to be the best or you want to try to, um, you know, do it to the best that you can. Um, I've been lucky to have a few mentors in lifting, um, over time that have kind of helped me with programming early on when I started. And so a lot of that stuff stuck with me. Um, I did one powerlifting meet, um, a few years ago, I think two or three years ago. And that was, it was a, kind of a rush of a day. It was about a six or seven hours. If, if you're familiar at all with powerlifting, you, you start with uh, squat. And so there's different flights and you will squat and then you may squat again and, and three minutes, and then you may squat again in four minutes. And then you may wait an hour and a half before you bench press. And then you may wait two hours before you deadlift and you just got to be ready to go when it's your time. Um, but it was the first time I really competed individually in anything since, you know, college football. And so that was kind of a rush. And so I've kind of, I haven't done any more meets just because, um, you know, I don't, I don't always have the equipment or, you know, sometimes the training partners all the time to, to lift heavy like that all the time, you know, especially now I'm in my basement, but I still try to, you know, keep a general base of strength and, and, I and, you know, work on mobility and things like that. Just so, you know, I think it's one of the things with, with COVID obviously is the healthier you are, the, you know, the more your body has a chance. I know there's pre-existing conditions and underlying things that people can do about it. Um, but, but that's not me. There's things I can do to make sure that my body is in as good a shape. And, you know, if I ate better, um, that would definitely help, you know, that's hard to do. And especially right now, my wife's pregnant, that's always hard to do. And you have two little kids. So it seems like you've always got Reese's or things like that. But, um, you know, I think for that, that hour a day or whatever that I can, can work out. And, and, uh, you know, we, we kind of compete with each other, um, with the guys I'm, I'm working with, we're always trying to improve and set goals and things like that. So just 
gives you something to shoot for. You know, I, I enjoy the aspect of coaching, um, and it's as close as I can get to playing, obviously. Uh, but when it comes to lifting, that's something that, that I can individually show improvement on. And so that's kind of, I guess, what drives me to keep doing it. And, and I'm still chasing things that uh, I haven't been able to do yet um, that uh, hopefully someday I'll be able to. So were you on your way to doing strongman before COVID? Is that what <laughs> looking at uh, it? Like, um, I, yeah, I, I've dabbled in some strongman when I've got a log, we bought a log and, and, um, I don't do all the other things, but yeah, we will get into the loaded carries and all that just to change that. We like to do a lot more of that stuff in the summer, um, when you can be outside and, and do that stuff. But like right now when it's cold, nasty, you know, it's a great time to, to hunker down in a weight room and get strong. And then, um, you know, as it starts to warm up, you can start adding in a lot of those other, you know, GPP type stuff. Um, when we're out at the school, obviously we can do more because we've got gyms and such, but, um, you know, that hasn't been an option, I think since March 13th. So I was lucky enough that that first Sunday, and so whatever it'd be like March 15th, I got on Amazon and bought a half rack cause I didn't know how long it was going to be. Um, I didn't think it'd be this long, obviously. And uh, I was able to get it before the spike in prices. I was able to get it in like two days and then, you know, we've bought some bars and a bench and things over time i'm working on getting some more weights you know right now and um so i was lucky that i got in on some of that stuff before it you know got crazy because it's hard to buy anything at this point in time yeah i i dabbled looking at that stuff by the time i looked at it, it was april and i was like oh it's a hundred dollars for a dumbbell or three hundred dollars i'm like no that's not happening yeah so I, I had to learn how to go jog and i'm like i hate jog i'm an offensive lineman i don't run and so it was like, I go jog a mile and I'm like, oh, my legs are going to fall off. But the motivation was now it's a mile and a half. Now it's a mile and this. Now it's two miles. And then the gyms opened back up and I was like, I'm going to go lift again. And I got away from running. And then what did I do? You're going to laugh at this. I had the plates and I was doing calf raises. So I had the bar and I'm standing on the plates and I'm doing calf mm -hmm. raises. Just one twist and I could just feel my back. Just one muscle. Put it down. I left. I went home, sitting there. Went to stand up and I'm hunched over and my muscles sometimes twist when that happens. And then I get scared to touch a weight again. I'm like, I can't do it because football injuries are coming back, you know, because we were idiots as kids probably. And was like, oh, we just rub some dirt in it, you know, pour water on your head. You're fine. You know, that old school thinking. My knees hurt. My back hurts. And then I get scared to lift again. So I'm like, I'm just going to do the elliptical for 45 minutes. I will literally go on the elliptical for 45 minutes and just go. Because mm -hmm. my knees, it helps out with my knees. And then I see people like you lifting, and I'm like, I need to get back into lift. Like, I want it. My arms are small now. And I'm like, an offensive line coach can't have small arms. Like, we can't do this. Here at the Coach Steve Show podcast, we're very excited for our new sponsor for the show, the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. Pretty exciting that they wanted to sponsor the podcast and very, um, excited for the opportunity to be sponsored by them um the launchpad kickoff tee is a very unique kickoff tee it's there's nothing like it it is created so that way you can place the football however you want it you want it to stand up higher it can stand up higher if you want it you know to make it down lower to make the football be kicked off and go farther it can do that you want to place it to the side you want it to stand straight up however you want you could put it upside down if that's the thing however you want the launchpad kickoff tee can let you do that so if you're a coach and you have a younger guy or a developing kicker who is not reaching the end zone at all times, this is the perfect kickoff tee for you. 
The reason is that it gives a coach a strategic options on squibs and onside kicks that were never available before. This kickoff tee is legal for the NCAA use and for all high schools at the National Federation High School Association. The Launchpad kickoff tee, it is a game changer, guys. Having one here is a complete game changer. Check out the videos that they've posted. It's, it's amazing stuff to see what the kickers can do once they get this and get the kicking down and use this tee. So for now, what I need you to do if you're interested in looking at it and going to buy one, please go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. And when you buy the one tee, use the code CSS to get 10% off. But also there are other options using the same link. If you want to buy two, you can get 25% off. If you think you need more and want to go buy the four pack option, you can buy three and get one of them for free. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS and use the code CSS and go get this game-changing kickoff tee for all you kickers and you coaches today. Yeah, you need to get on uh, some of the, the Chris Corpus, Dan Fichter, you know, RPR neuro stuff. Um, it'll make a huge difference in, you know, making sure you're using the right you know, parts of your body the right way when you're lifting weights. Um, you know, it's been a game changer, not just for me through some of the things that I've had planned, but for our kids in, in general, getting the brain uh, to understand that it's okay and to feel safe with a bar on your back or whatever is, is a huge aspect that um, is missing, I think, in, in strength and conditioning, obviously. And then and, um, you know, no one, now I know when to say when, you know, yeah. Could I maybe hit another set? Yeah. But it's like, you know what, that was, that was good. That's right where I want to be. And so I, I do that a ton now, as opposed to, you know, e- even if I thought I was going to hit a certain weight on a certain day, if it ain't there that day, it ain't there. And, and I, we move on to the next thing. And that's the other thing I try to get our kids to understand. You know, we just want your best for today. You know, it's, it's not going to be your best all time, all the time. If that was the case, you know, we, we'd have a, a two second 40 and we'd have people squatting 2000 pounds if it was a general progression. Mm-hmm. And so like I said, we tried always, even with our athletes to be real and say, you know, every day is not your best, but, but then we also use that to have conversations and say, okay, you know, did you do anything different? Are you sleeping? You know, did, did we start practice? I tell our kids, Hey, when you start winter practices, uh, you're, you're going to be, you're going to run slow. Your times are going to be slow. You're not going to jump as high because your body is trying to adjust to all this stress now that's on it, that it, it hasn't had, even in football, you know, it, it is a, a six second, 35 second sport. You know, it's not a, maybe two minutes up and down the floor and, or, or two minutes of solid, you're sorry, two hours of solid movement, like a basketball practice, or, you know, a lot of wrestling programs do two a days and things like that. And so we, we have those conversations, but kids start to figure out then, you know, what helps them and what hurts them. It kind of puts ownership on them. Yeah. Every time I stay up till three o'clock and play video games and I come to the weight room the next day, I'm very weak. And, and we try to have those conversations um, and, and kids, you know, if they care and they want to get better, they'll, they'll start to understand how to better take care of themselves. And is that kind of how, cause I try to keep up with what you guys do. Like, all you coaches talk about the sprint based stuff and the weightlifting and talking to my friend, like I told you, uh, coach West, he tried to really knowledge me on this, like, like what Alabama's doing in Indiana. He talks to me about that stuff. And I said, you know, when we were growing up, it was one rep deadlift. Can you get 600 pounds, one rep? 
And I think back in the day, we like that ego thing, I have to squat 500 pounds and I have to do it now. If it's bad form, but I went down and I came back up, it looked good. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Is that how you've kind of adapted? Like, he, I talked to him. He's like, yeah, one rep maxes aren't as important. It's more about generating power. It's more about speed. It's more about this. Is that kind of how you've adapted football and, and lifting with that? Like, not teach me because I'm a dumb O-line coach. you got to teach me, like, how we've adapted since the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> and I think – what, what he called sprint-based football or, or Coach Holler's feed the catch or anything, you know, I think it gets a bad rap because most people think that, that you know, that we don't lift weights and, you know, that we go out to practice and we, we were out there for about 20 minutes, we do a couple things and then we go home, um, you know, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I think at, at the height of everything that we do is about performance. What helps us perform at the highest level, okay? So – in my own, my old thinking, you know, if Thursday in our programming was a heavy squat day and we just heavy back squatted and then Friday morning, our kids woke up sore and we had to play a Friday night game. I would say, you know what? Suck it up. That's part of life. Um, whereas now when I'm tracking all this data from, you know, our sprint times to our vertical jump to our broad jump and, and, you know, hopefully someday I'll get some, something to track some velocity based stuff. Um, with power output and like, you know, what's going on in Alabama and other places around. Um, we know what's actually helping. You know, I think we all were guilty of because that's how we were, you know, coached and whatever that, you know, you, you want to try to get in the bench club and you want to try to get in the squat club and then get into the hang clean club and all that stuff. But I think we all have athletes that can get into those clubs, but really can't perform out on the field or, you know, they get in this ugly clean where their legs separate and, you know, they're all hunched over and they gut up this, you know, 285 pound clean. But, you know, what is that actually transferring to on the field? And is it transferring on the field? Because, you know, it, putting weight on your back and, and um, you know, challenging the body with a, a, a stimulus it creates a hormonal response. It could be good or bad, right? If, if your body feels safe and it's at the right time, then, you know, human growth hormone and testosterone and all those things, and you need those uh, to perform. But if you put a weight on your back and, you know, you start bending at the wrong angle or, you know, your spine doesn't, everything's not in line and, you know, you could actually release cortisol and, and you know, do the, have the opposite effect. You could train for 45 minutes and actually get worse. Um, and 
some stories that I remember. I mean, we our, our studs in, in 2012, our two wingbacks that, that uh, when we went to the semifinals and lost to Belleville Altoff, um, they squatted 405 at the beginning of the summer. And then I, and they were 165 ish, you know. And I remember being pissed at the end of the summer because they didn't squat any more than 405 at the end. Well, here's the reality they don't need to be squatting 405. Our sole, fo- they were strong enough. Our sole focus should have been on power output and getting them faster. We, we shouldn't have been chasing weight. And, you know, we just, because, you know, we're competitive it's easy to measure weight on a bar, you know? So if someone benches 225, let's get them to 300. If someone squats 400, let's get them to 500. Let's get them to a 250 power clean. But maybe that's not what they need. Maybe maybe this kid is strong enough. You know, maybe when we get 400 squat, he goes from running a 478 to a 492 and he's 20 pounds heavier and he's not as explosive on the field. And I think that's the aspect of, of sprint-based football that, that we're looking to try to maximize our athletes' performance and figure out ways to use the weight room in conjunction with sprinting and jumping and, and power and elasticity and things like that and use the weight room as a supplement to our explosiveness and not as the base of it. You know, I, everyone needs a base of strength, and the younger they are, you know, the more they need strength, but at a certain point there's, in my opinion, you know, they're strong enough in terms of a squat, a bench press and things like that. Can they do, you know, 20 pull-ups? Can they get into a, you know, split squat? Can they, you know, can they, you know, how much power can they generate from a split stance deadlift, you know, the bar into the rack pins or, or just things like that that are going to challenge this kid to continue to improve as opposed to chasing these, you know, always these bilateral movements. And, you know, it's hard because most people in the weight room um, are also teaching throughout the day. You know, they've got their coaching football. The football coach just gets put in the weight room and, and that's an easy thing to measure, right? It's, it's, you put 50 kids in there and you, you know, you make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. And, um, you know, kids get competitive and if, and if they're, they're chasing a, a squat max on a board, however they can get that thing up, then they're going to get it up. And, um, we've kind of went full circle. I mean, I bought the boards, we chased numbers, we did all that kind of stuff. And, and then as I started coaching track and getting around some of these other smarter people started to realize that sometimes that has a detrimental effect uh, on the athletic performance. And we all kind of knew that it can squat a lot but he doesn't get off the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all had situations like that, but guess what? We just, we think, Hey, I think we just got to keep squatting him more and things will work out. Well, he's probably reached a strength level. That's fine. He, he has no explosive, you know, muscle fibers, fast, fast twitch. We need to start recruiting that. Um, and what movements can we do to further develop that power output um, as opposed to just the max strength part of it. Whereas a hundred and, 15 pound freshman that's never, you know, had a weight probably needs to develop, you know, a strength base before, you know, some of those other things. And so th- that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out, and it, it's always evolving, you know, and it, you can't be married to a specific exercise. Some kids may respond better to a, a traditional back squat, whereas some kids may not. But if you're tracking data and you're looking at their numbers and their sprint times and their jumps and all that, and um, it's not improving, 
then you've got to adjust the programming some way or the other. And it might not be bench squat, deadlift, or clean. And then talking to Nathan, I said, you'll naturally get stronger if you're going reps. Like some coaches say, okay, we're going to do six reps. And that's, you'll naturally get stronger. And people don't look at it that way. They're like, oh, he did six times. But sometimes, maybe this is the wrong way to say it. If you do it six times, you're stronger than you were if you did this one way one time. Yeah, it just depends on, you know, Obviously, you know, do you, are you needing to build muscle or, 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 you know, do you have enough and, you know, you need the hypertrophy or, or what do you need or do you need the max strength? Hey, you know, we need to work on, you know, this person's max strength. If you need to work on their max strength, then you do need to lift heavy and you need to do minimal sets. Um, if you're looking for that hormonal response, you have to put enough weight that's going to get the body to react. Um, but if, if it's someone that does need to build mass you know, for whatever reason, then you are going to need to do reps. If you're trying to add in all these reps while they're also trying to play football or basketball or do all these other things, and you've got all this volume in the weight room and all this volume in practice and all this volume in games, that's a recipe for injury. And, and, you know, as the strength coach, as the track coach, and as the football coach, I can control volume in those realms i can't control their sleep really i can't control what happens in their other practices you know if they're multi-sport athletes but i can control if this athlete has a wrestling duel on tuesday and then a wrestling duel on thursday what i do with them in between or during that time you know if they're gonna or, or if they have this huge tournament on friday saturday you know i want to make sure that they're in the best position physically to go out and compete in that tournament and not just say well you know, he's an off-season football lineman and he needs to get stronger. So on Friday before he leaves, we're going to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And I know I was guilty of, and I think a lot of people are, if you're the football coach, you train every athlete like an off-season football player, no matter what sport they're in or what they're doing. I think that creates lots of animosity. It creates, you know, it ruins relationships with other sport coaches. You know, and I think football coaches are always wanting to get basketball guys out. You know, we're always quick to retweet a, a basketball player who's lifting weights. See, basketball players should lift. Well, you know, what is your program? Are you mindful of what's going on in, in the basketball arena? You know, are you tracking their vertical jump? Or are you just throwing them in a squat rack because that's what you think's best from a football perspective, whether it is or not, and you have no data to figure out, okay, yeah, we've been lifting, and ever since we've been lifting and they've been in basketball practice, their verticals went down by four inches. And if you can't determine you know say whether what you're doing is working or not besides just putting an extra 10 pounds or 25 pounds on the squat then that's not really coaching and and so i think as strength conditioning coaches we have to be we have to understand the load that's on these athletes especially our multi-sport athletes work with the sport coaches and show them data hey take a look you know when when, in the summertime, the first, when I, I tracked all of our, when we first came back, we vertical jump tested on the jump mat. And then on July 12th, whenever we ended, I sent vertical jump data to our basketball coach. Hey, you know, these kids, five inches, four inches. And I sent that stuff. So, hey, you know, this is what this helped them do. You know, he, he does he really care about their sprint times? No, he, he really doesn't care because he's in basketball and he considers it acceleration. And I get it. But does he care about what their vertical jump is? Yeah, that's data that he can use and say, hey, you know, coach has got me in mind when he's programming for my athletes. Or, you know, take the approach of I don't want my athletes to be sore during the basketball season. If I if I want my 
basketball, football guys to lift, especially if it's a before school or an after school or, or after practice, then they can't show up to their sport practice sore. If they show up to their sport practice sore and coach says, what's wrong with you today? Oh, man, we did a heavy squat workout. My legs are killing me. Well, you know, what's that sport coach going to say? You know, if you're a football coach and your athlete, your quarterback shows up on Monday and he's like, coach, man, I, I pitched all weekend. My elbow's so sore I can't even throw. Are you okay with that? You know, most of us would say no. But then on the flip side, we're just as guilty of doing that to the other sports because we, we, you know, we're weight room, weight room, weight room, weight room. And, and sometimes, you know, especially in season, athletes are probably strong enough. You know, it's about recovery. And, and you know, you've got summertime. You've got some other off-season times where you can, you know, really, you know, if the strength is something that really needs to happen, um, you know, but you got to be in. And, and that, that's what the message, I guess, we're trying to get out, you know, it's not that we're weak or soft or we don't think kids should lift or all those things. It's that you should be mindful of, of the stress and the load that's on the athlete. And you should have some data to back up what you're doing besides just a max increase, because that's not really great data. I mean, if you can't increase the max on a high school kid from freshman year to sophomore year, I mean, then you're a really bad strength coach because kids that have a zero, you know, their lifting age is zero and you teach them form, boom, oh, their squat max went up 100 pounds. You know, you know, this is awesome. Well, it should. They've never done the exercise before, you know. So those are things that, you know, and I, it, I understand it rubs people the wrong way, especially if, if, if your job is, is the weight room. But, you know, we're trying to marry all of it together. And, and it's hard. Um, it'd be super easy if I could just, you know, think about how easy it is. If I could just say, hey, every time my athletes gain 300 pounds in their squat, they're better and they run faster and jump higher. You know, if that were the case, then, you know, you talk about powerlifting, the best powerlifters would be the best jumpers. They'd have the best 40, um, but they don't because there's so many other things that go into it. And, um, you know, that's what, that, I mean, that's what I'm chasing all the time. I'm trying to figure out exercises, throw this one out. This one works for you, but this is not working for you. What, you know, what else can we substitute? And then I'm always asking kids, especially in the winter, you know, how do you feel? Oh, coach, we're, we never got home till two o'clock because we were three hours away at a JV wrestling tournament and they only had one referee. And so it took forever. How do you, how do you feel about squatting? Oh, you know, I could probably try it, but I don't know. You know, and it's like, Hey, what else can we do? Then you get by and then the kids know you care about them. And, and it, and it just changes that whole relationship in, into a, you know, Hey, I want what's best for you. And it, what's best for you may not be a one set of one heavy back squat today. It might not be, you know, other people might be, hell yeah, I've had a great night of sleep. I'm ready to go. All right, let's go. You know, and, and, and that's kind of where we have to be, I think, or where we should be. And, and I wasn't that guy for a long, long time. Um, and I did things, you know, I, I've, I've made more basketball players sore during the basketball season, trained them as football players than, than probably any coach out there. So I'm as guilty as everyone, but, but I've kind of understood that over time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, if this is a stupid question. It seems like what you're talking about is we need to be more individualized because back in the day it was lift as groups, if that makes sense. So you're going to go in this group and this group, and it's almost like you have to do the same thing. So like if you say this group, you're going to do heavy back squat. Well, that one kid in that group, that may not be the best for him. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. So it seems like you have to put more work in to be more individualized. Like, yeah, you might be with this group, but no, you have to do this. You guys can change the weight and do what you want to save time. But no, just because he's doing 400 pounds on the squat for one rep, you may are doing four reps of something else. Do you think that's just too much work for coaches sometimes? But like instead of individualizing, we have to do a group. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for uh, sport coaches to also run the weight room. I, I get it. Um, I'm fortunate now that, that that's my job as a PE teacher uh, is I, for the most part, I, I do have a couple regular PE classes, but that's what I do. So I'm always collecting data um, on what I think athletes need or what's working and not. And then I can group them accordingly, you know, like, hey, you four people are all really close together and you all kind of need the same thing based upon, you know, your, <laughs> for example, your, your acceleration is not very good. So you need some more probably max strength work and things like that. Or, you know, all four of you guys, your acceleration numbers are pretty good, but you know, your fly 10 time or your top end speed is not where it is, should be. So maybe we need to work on, you know, more speed sets and things like that. And, and we try to lump them together and then always have a reason why we're doing it. And then, you know, go back. And, and that's the thing about when I used to just test, testing means, you know, you do something, you wait eight weeks and you test. You know, that's what we do in, in research. And I get it because you're trying to find specific variables. But when I'm timing and tracking jumps and we're doing that stuff every week, I've got a decent idea of where, you know, what's helping and what's not helping. And, and obviously we, we can, okay, we did this this week and you're slower. Let's throw this out. Okay. You know, now we ran better and that, you know, and we, and we're always trying to find those types of things. Um, but like I said, I mean, I think there is, there's a beginner program. There's a block of zero. As some people call it, you know, we have to teach movement patterns. We have to teach hinges. We have to teach, you know, ankle rocker, four foot rocker. We have to teach those types of things. Um, don't get me wrong there, but, but for our advanced, and I think Corpus, Chris Corpus says it best. You know, if your seniors are running the same program that they ran as freshmen, you know, we really haven't progressed them, you know, kind of like in football, if we're still doing the same drills at the end of their senior year that we started with as a freshman, I understand everyone has everyday drills and things like that, but we should be progressing drills and progressing in the weight room, you know, based on what kids need and not just uh, some cookie cutter. And, and again, it's hard if that's, you know, you're in there because no one else is after school and you're teaching math or history or science all day long and you've got IEP meetings and you, you know, like I get all that. And that's where you got to, you know, hopefully you've got colleges close or hopefully you've got people that 
are interested in taking the reins on some of it and you can, can delegate and don't be scared to delegate. Um, but the best thing you can do is just start collecting as much running and jumping data as you can, because then you've kind of got an idea of, okay, most of our kids, you know, their vertical jump went down this last four weeks. What, you know, what did I program differently? You know, is it because that we started, you know, going into a deep back squat or, you know, did we, what did we switch up from a weight room stimulus that may have caused this or vice versa? You know, what, what worked well? Okay. This kid shot up, you know, he, he was, you know, he back squatted 225 and now he's smoking that thing and now he's running faster and, and you might progress him a little bit more. He's responding well to that. And I think, you know, we can't, we can't look at athlete A and athlete B the same, you know, especially like if we look at the freaks of college and, and NFL and, you know, we want to say, Hey, look at the, this kid made it in the weight room. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe he's a freak. I mean, a lot of those guys are just built that way. I mean, we've got dudes that come in like, and they look like they've lived in a weight room their whole life and they've never stepped foot in a weight room, you know? And so you, you've got to figure it out and it, and it's hard and I'm not, I don't have the answers figured out that that's kind of my daily quest is to try to put our kids in the best position from a performance standpoint. And I screw up all the time. I'll program stuff that is terrible. And it, it and I'll just tell them yeah, that coach, why aren't we doing that anymore? No, that wasn't good. We, 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 it, it hurt us more than it helped us. So we're going to move on to this and you be honest with them and say, Hey, you know, we make mistakes. Coaches make mistakes all the time. Um, I think we're seeing it daily in college and NFL football with end of games and all that stuff. But and I think it was coach Albaugh. He said, you know, dang it, coaches, you're humans and you're making mistakes. It's like, that's what, you know, we make mistakes. We've all done it. You know, we've all made blunders at, in certain situations, whether that's the weight room or on the field and we got to own them and we got to learn from them and, and, and move on. Um, but if we're still running a program that we got from some college or, or some guy that coached here 10 years ago and we're just cycling that thing through there, I, I think that's when you really got to step back and say, you know what, is this, is this what's best? And don't be scared to have a separate, you know, hey, these are my most athletic basketball guys. This is what they need. These are the guys that aren't playing much at all. You know, in basketball, they're kind of 11, 12, 13. They're out on the team. You know, this is what they need, um, you know, and, and program it that way. Yeah, people talk about Nick Saban and his process. He keeps his core process, but he's adapted so much. That's just an example because people think he's this way or the highway. It's like, no, look at what he's done. He talked about the, the lifting they've done. He's like, we've adapted to doing this stuff now because he saw the writing on the wall, but he kept his core process. But then like the next year, you don't just throw it out the window and start something new. It's like, well, this didn't work. Let's let's tweak it. Let's do this. Let's mm -hmm. tweak this, whatever it is. X's and O's, weightlifting, practice planning, they tweak it. Absolutely. I mean, I think it was Andy Ryland had, had tweeted out that question, you know, reflection questions he has over the last few days. And it's like, what, what was something that um, you did last year that you want to make adjustments on, you know, and, and I've preached minimum effective dose and, and trying to, to keep kids fresh and healthy and all of that. Um, you know, last year we, we, because we, we, we were, we had a thin roster. We had a few, um, disciplinary issues for the first three weeks where we weren't going to have some guys we really erred on the side of doing the the minimum part so that we could keep our guys healthy and uh, from a physical standpoint we weren't I mean, we won in week one um, but we weren't where we needed to be and so you know one thing that we need to continue to keep tweaking is 
you know, we can't always just err on the side of the minimum. We have to find the effective or what I think someone called the most effective. You know, it, it's not always the least, but it's always the, you know, what what's that sweet spot that we're always trying to find? And we, you know, so I think we did too little from a, a game speed, you know, one-on-one or, you know, kind of a team aspect um, just to keep guys healthy. And, and we, it worked in that regard. We, we went into it healthy and we were able to win those first three weeks. Um, but we had some cramping issues and we had some other things just because we had it put our guys into enough of those game specific type situations, you know, because we were a little scared about our lack of depth. Um, but that's something that we want to keep tweaking and keep figuring out, you know, um, how, what is the sweet spot on, you know, cause people always ask me, well, how many team reps, you know, how, how do you only get these? And it's like, you know, this, this is what we're doing. I'm not saying that that's exactly right. You've got to figure it out. What depends, you know, if your guys are going both ways, it depends lots of things. Um, but what I saw in that first week was we needed to do more, um, than what we did. Not, not more in terms of conditioning and all that stuff, more in terms of explosive, game type situation plays where we're putting the time on we've got the play clock and we're doing things in a game specific manner and we just did not do enough of that um and that and and we're going to make that adjustment and so i think any any good coach is going to say hey this is what we think's best right now but then go back and say okay that's not what's best and and we're going to make adjustments accordingly um and so that that's kind of where we're at and we're always trying to tweak drills and you know progress like i talked about you know we're guilty of doing the the running back bag drills week six of the season and and doing you know my basic linebacker reads how can i add elements of difficulty to that things to challenge them from a visual standpoint from a time standpoint from a reaction standpoint as the season goes on so that we are building upon those skills that we're going to need in the game and not do basic level drills all year long and then expect you know, them to all of a sudden turn it on on game night when we haven't really put them in those types of situations. You know, you got to start small. You know, you might start, like I said, on air, on, you know, a simple read, a simple thing, but then we got to add some layers of difficulty to it, either from a, a time standpoint or a visual standpoint or a reactionary standpoint. And those are things we're always trying to find and figure out better ways to, to prepare our kids from that kind of technical aspect of the sport as well. And then something I've learned being a coach, sometimes we force drills and force things on them. Like, oh, I saw a coach at so-and-so at this university do this drill for what I run on defense. We're going to force this drill. And they do it during the summer, and the kids just aren't getting it because something's not, something's not right. No, no, we have to do it because it works with the defense. Or, like, you have to be in the specific stance as a corner. If that kid is more successful being in a different stance, you have to adjust it to that. Or figure out a way like, okay, this drill isn't working. How do I make this drill work? Or is there another drill that works with this group? And then the next year, maybe you can go to that. But we're like, no, it has to be this, has to be this. Mm-hmm. And we don't adapt. It's this, 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 because of the old school way of my way or the highway. Like it's this or that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've had, you know, sometimes we've had uh, DBs pedal out. Sometimes we've had them slide step, you know, performance. You know, what? what gives the kids the best chance to perform, you know, linebacker stances, um, depth, you know, 
Some middle linebackers might be better at five and a half depth. Some might be better at four and a half. You know, some some people might might take it just an extra little bit of a second to make the read in order to get to the spot. Um, and that was one thing, you know, our best guys, I've had to coach the least. So, you know, obviously they're reacting to things that come more natural to them. So the more I try to give those guys that don't, the more they're going to be thinking about what's happening in this and that. And so, you let, you know, I think another huge aspect I've learned, um, especially from, from Coach Corfist, is the drills themselves need to create situations of failure so that your body and you and your brain has to react, right? I can't coach you into these things. How can I create a drill within practice that is going to, I won't say force the behavior, but get you to understand the read and the behavior that we are looking for on the football field? Not you know, how can I give you 17 verbal cues to get you to understand what I'm talking about? What, what type of drill can I develop to get you to your brain and your body to react and understand based upon the stimulus that we continue to mess up or what we're trying to get? And so as coaches, I mean, I think, I think that's the hardest part is developing meaningful drills that will challenge you enough to fail some of the time so that your body has to adjust and you have to adjust as opposed to just saying, okay, you keep screwing this up. This is what you need to do. Well, that's great. But if you have your own kids, you realize how many times that you tell them and tell them and tell and they're not going to get it until you put them in a situation where that's their only option. And if they don't, then they fail. And eventually, you know, no kids want to fail. So eventually they're going to understand, oh, that's what you've been talking about the whole time. Yes. <laughs> but we got to create that drill. We've got to create that situation, you know. And I think another thing that, that people get all whacked out about when I say is, is this overemphasis on this toughness where we will just create random tough things to do and expect that to carry over into specific game situations. There has to be a connection. I'm not against tough things. I mean, you need to put kids in tough situations. I get it. But they need to be task-specific tough situations. If the kid is not – if a linebacker is not filling the way that you expect him to on, on a lead or an ISO play, going out and having him run bear crawls and run into walls and, and you know, just beat the hell out of each other and get down on all fours and smack shoulder pads and, and do all that, I mean, that's not going to carry over, you know, what, what, what can you develop or what can you create an environment that's going to elicit the behavior that you're asking that, you know, put them in those tough situations, not, not just some random Navy seal, you know, we're going to run three miles today and then we're going to crawl through a swamp and then we're going to do all these things and then expect us to execute a fourth and three play, you know, on the goal line essentially to win a game and when we have to execute a specific block, we get a blitzer, we get something like that. I mean, we have to execute a specific situation. Hey guys, are you looking for something to help you get through your daily life? Are you looking for something to help you get through that extra push in the gym? Are you looking for something to just kind of help make your life a little bit easier? Are you somebody that maybe does want to go to the gym or, you know, needs extra push during the day and don't know where to go or where to look? 
Well, then you need to click the link in the description and go to Redcon One. Redcon One is the fastest growing supplement company in the business. Last year, they were voted best supplements at the Vitamin Shop and with many other awards. And they're not just for bodybuilders and powerlifters. They are made for everybody. They have everything. You are a person that, you know, needs pre-workout with caffeine, they have it. You need pre-workout that doesn't have caffeine to get that extra pump, they have it. They have little shots of energy stuff. They have meal bar replacements. They have the MRE uh, powder that you can make smoothies with. They have your whey proteins. They have fat burners that you can take in the morning. They have pills. They have everything that you can need. Great workout apparel. They have workouts on there. Everything you need. It's to have you be at the highest state of readiness. It's not just for the gym goers. It's for everybody looking to dominate in life. So please, what I need you to do is click on the link in the description. And when you use the code T20, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-K-U at checkout, you will get a 20% off. Now, they always have deals going on. So you click on the link and you see a 40% off or a buy one, get one free with a different code. That's still fine. If you still use the link to go to Redcon 1, all you have to do is put my name in the referral box. S-T-E-P-H-E-N space K-U-C-H-E-F-S-K-I at checkout to help support the show. So let's go get the high state of readiness and let's get ready to conquer this day. It's not that, you know, we've got to, we have to just do something really, really tough. No, there's specifics to what we have to do. That That's that's the part of toughness, executing something that's task specific at the time it needs to be executed. Not just this general term of, you know, we're just not tough. Okay, you know, that that's what little Johnny's mom and dad are saying in the stands. This team's just not tough. Well, why aren't they? Well, they're not executing when they have to execute, you know, and, and that – that's the other aspect I think of sprint-based football that we're trying to get across is, you know, the, the, the blanket statement of toughness and doing all of these militaristic type things, why they may build teamwork and, you know, you may have different aspects of leadership and things you're trying to do there. They shouldn't be the focus of your execution on the football field. Um, and, and I think that's something that, that gets kind of lost in this whole, like, you know, we've got to toughen these kids up. Well, you got to be careful with, with that definition of toughness. Um, who's really good at that type of stuff is Coach Derek Leonard at Rochester. Putting, he practices those tight situations, and there's been times with those state title runs where he's had close games and their kids never panicked because right. they're, they're, he puts them – because at Charleston we try to be a no-huddle, you know, up-tempo. Well, I knew some coaches that knew Coach Leonard, so I reached out and talked to people. I'm like, okay, Coach Leonard, how do you do this? And try to bring a no-huddle type situations mm-hmm. just to see how they do Because why not go to the guy that's won five in a row and then wins right. two in a row and then wins another? <laughs> and it's so simple what they do, and I try to bring it over. Well, then people are like, well, this, 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 and this. And I'm like, well, it's proven to work. And I know he's had athletes, and he'll tell everybody, and that's what's great about him. He's like, it's not me, it's the athletes, but – He's put those kids like he changes. It might be okay. We got three minutes to do this, and we're losing the game. We've got to move the field. We got to have penalties. We have to put this tight situation, and he just does it in the middle of practice. Like, all right, we got to go do this. And he does it because right. in a game, it's going to happen. What if they score immediately or in that situation? And mm-hmm. what was it? They played Belleville Altoff or something, and that happened. They won by one point, and he was like, yeah. "That's because we put them in that situation for mm-hmm. 11, 12 weeks." In the summer, and guess what? 
by the time it showed up, we were ready to go. Right. And people don't want to look at it that way. They're like, no, we got to, we got to, you know, do the Oklahoma drill. Like we all grew up. We have to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Where looking back on, like, I'm surprised. I probably had 10 concussions and never knew. But looking back on it, you're kind of like, this was the tough drill. It wasn't, you got, a, you got 55 seconds to score to win the game. Let's put them in that situation. Right. We have to recover this onside kick. Let's put them in that situation. I know these are very minimal things mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, but if you don't do things like that, it's never going to – in a game, they're going to panic. Yeah, and, and what I've found, and, and I, people would probably disagree, or a lot of people would, is when you do those – and I get it, Oklahoma and those types of things, do you – you know, you got to ask yourself, did anyone actually ever get tougher in those, or did your toughest people just show up in those situations? But you probably already knew it. Mm-hmm. You know, you already knew that your middle linebacker, who's a two-year starter, is badass. You already know that. So to have him go into Oklahoma and, and beat up on all these guys and we hoot and holler and yell, we already knew that guy was that good. You know, did did somebody else differently than what I might see in an indie time or a group period? Did anything else stand out where I went, "Wow, I didn't know that kid could do that"? Probably not. You know, and so. Would my time be better served in a in a technical aspect of the sport, uh, you know, or a situational aspect of the sport, as opposed to you know doing an Oklahoma drill? And for me, I would rather do the technical or the you know the situational. Other people would say, "Oh man, we love Oklahoma. Our kids get jacked up." And I get it. You got to do what you think's best. Um, this is just what what we do, but that doesn't mean you know. Like I said, we're always assessing what we're doing and why we're doing it. But we try to have a why, you know, why are we doing this period? What, what is its purpose? And, and hopefully that answer isn't to make us tougher or because, you know, we're getting beat or something like that. We need to have a, a good legitimate answer to why we're doing certain things. Because for us, you know, we're not going to keep them out there all the time. So our practice time is, is condensed. It's shorter. And, and so the things that we pick and choose to put into practice need to have a purpose um, because we're not out there wasting time. We're not going to keep you till th- you know for three hours or two and a half hours. We're not going to run fifty offensive plays. We're not going to do all that stuff. Uh, so you know we've got to be very mindful of of the the periods and things that we're putting into practice. Then people did the Oklahoma Joe just to get people hyped up, and I'm like, well, then make put the, well. And you correct me if I'm wrong because you probably know more. In that situation, if there's like a not a high energy, that's where you should go to that game time situation of like. Like Coach Lawrence said, immediately we're just going to go do this minute drill where you have to score. Mm-hmm. And that's already in his practice plan somewhere. But now he's like, maybe I move it up here and then we go about it. There's not high energy. Let's not hit each other. Let's say we got to get into this game time situation, get people excited. Like, okay, now we're, we have to win the game. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, there's valid points to, you know, when you teach your kids to tackle, if you never tackle in practice, um, you know, when, when are you going to, you know, your lineman going to learn how to block and things like that. And I, and I get all that. Um, you know, we, we do like our, you know, those technical skills in a, in a controlled setting for the most part. Um, you know, obviously we have some team periods, but we're only in pads once a week. Um, you know, we teach all the, you know, what we think is the proper way to tackle. Um, we don't bring guys down just at our level. We've got to be mindful of injuries, obviously, you know, when we've got 50 guys, roughly, you know, some years we may only have, I think last year we had eight, 17, 18 juniors and seniors, you know, some people think that's a lot. Other people think, holy cow. Um, 
so we got to be mindful of that, but we're, you know, trying to find situations, even, you know, like with tackling and things like that, how are you teaching it? How are you making sure your kids can execute that on the field? Um, and, and an easier answer for me is, you know, the more healthy they are, the more fresh they are, the more explosive they are, the more they're going to be able to do those things. You know, if we beat them up in the weight room, we wear them out in practice, uh, they're going to be less capable of doing that on a Friday night. Um, and if there's technical aspects of that that are not um, being accomplished, then you got to go. And, and like I said, you got to create those drills. It, my opinion, and it's just my opinion, obviously, is most missed tackles are probably because of a reactionary, a um, come to balance. It, it is get, it is being out of position from where you should be in your run fit or where you are in your defense, as opposed to you just can't tackle. There was a something. There was a, a lapse in your your reaction. Um, you know, you, you, your agility, an agility issue, something else. Um, is leading to your missed tackles from a position standpoint as opposed to, you know, the physical aspect of tackling. And so we do a lot of tracking drills and things like that. We got those from um, Rochester too, um, you know, some of the tracking drills of getting ourselves in position. We work a ton on being in the position to be able to make the tackle and how we fit from an inside-out perspective or a, an edge-setting perspective and things like that so that we can be in position to make tackles. So when you tell people you're in pads one day a week, because to me, my ears even perk. I'm like, what? What do people say? I know I'm taking a lot of your time, but I'm cu- I'm taking a lot of your time. But I'm very curious. Like when you tell people that, what do they say? Or can I, you even sh- repeat what they say? <laughs> well, I mean, we get a lot of, you know, you're soft. You're, you know, you're what's, you're what's wrong with kids these days. They need to get toughened up, blah, blah, blah. And I get all that. Um, you know, we used to condition the hell out of them on Mondays. We used to go full pads and beat them on Tuesday and Wednesday, back off a little on Thursday, play on Friday, bring them right back in on Saturday. Sometimes let them, you know, I've been there. This isn't like, you know, I came out of nowhere. This will be, I think my 18th season. Um, and we've done it every way. Um, what I found is when you take opportunities from them and you, put limits on the amount that they can do something like a, like a team defensive period. For example, your defense is going to go against your scout. Your scout team sucks anyway, you know, doesn't matter what level they're, you know, unless they're running your scheme, which obviously if you're a spread, there's probably more people. We're, we're a wing T. So when we're running wing T stuff and our kids understand, they don't, they don't know what, uh, you know, counter bubble means. I mean, they don't understand what, you know, power read looks like on a scout team. So, we're going to limit those opportunities. So our team defense, when they only get a few opportunities, they're going to make the best out of their limited amount of opportunities in full pads. And then when it's Friday night, they're ready. I mean, it's like, now we always call it like we've been caging them up. Now we've done group and we've done inside run and we've done things, right? We've done seven on seven. We don't just go out there and, and do nothing. But from a, an 11 on 11 perspective, we're only in full pads once per week. And we are limiting those reps. You know, sometimes we may only get like three. We may take their three best plays. We know that that that's what's going to win them the game or their five best. And that's all our number one defense gets. And then they're done. And and they know it. And it ticks them off. Like, come on, coach. I'm like, nope. And if I see what I want in the first two plays 
and I we're we're in the right reads, we're in the right position. We're that might be it. And I and I'll just tell him you got to show me on on Friday. And it's like as opposed to draining the you know draining them all week. You go out and you run fifty offensive plays on Tuesday. You run sixty on Wednesday. Um, you know. 20, 30, 40 defensive plays each day. Thursday, you back off a little bit. It's like, you know, what's Friday? You know, I understand Friday is supposed to be special, but it's in some aspects of this, you've got to understand, you know, the whole. What what did we start with for the week? You know, if they slept poorly, then they're they're not even at 100% on Monday. And then what are they by game time? Are they close to 100%? Are they at like 43%? And so they go out and they play sluggish. You get beat. We double down the next week and say, you guys are soft. You're not in shape. You don't care. So we're going to make you care. And we're going to go this much harder so that next Friday, you know, they're going to pay. And then next Friday rolls around and you're in even worse position physically and probably mentally that you get beat again. And it just starts that downward spiral of, you know, we've been doing more, 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 more because we think we, we, we need it. When in reality, if we backed off. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner then we might have more energy for the next day of practice and the next day. And then Friday, guess what? The kids may feel like a hundred. So like, you know, you just talked about two situations when we got on here, when your kids first came back to football, when they first came back to workouts, they were all over the place, right? Well, why they haven't there, there's as rested as they'll ever be. Well, what does it look like in week nine? You know, are we dragging off the field? You know, are we, do we have more guys standing behind me on the sideline injured than we've got out playing? I mean, those things all have to factor into how you're programming your practice. And for us, we're able to get that done um, from a full pad perspective just on Wednesdays. Um, and we go helmets on the other day, and we do our we do our seven on seven. We do our game plan stuff. We go against. Uh, we we teach our kids how to properly hold bags, and we're looking for you know, first steps, we're looking for angles. We're looking for all those things, reads. We're looking for things from a, a, a technical aspect of football as opposed to the physical aspect um, on that day. And then and then Wednesday, our kids know, hey, this is time. You know, you only get some a few amount of plays, and you better make them count. And people say, well, what if they don't? Then, then we replace them. You know, the, the, other, the other thing about sprint-based football is this idea that you're going to condition – or punish some kid into being a, a stud. That ain't going to happen. He either is or he isn't. He's either going to get on board or he's not. And the best way to get him on board is to take the opportunity away, even if it's your best player. You know, if your best player is lazy off the, you know, and you say, okay, switch over there. You know, we did this way back in 2012, our all-state lineman. He was just being lazy. And so uh, we fired him right in the middle of the team offense. Said, hey, just switch. You put that penny on, you switch with him, you're going to play offensive tackle. And then we couldn't even get like a snap off the next five plays, and he just kicked everyone's ass on the on the scout D. It flipped the switch, but his opportunity was taken away. So after practice, I talked to him and said, 
we know that's how you can play. That whatever you did, you know, for that first part of practice, that ain't gonna cut it. And you're not invincible in this thing because we can replace you as fast as anybody else. And then he was an all-state, you know, unbelievable player for the rest of the year. But I could have put him on the line and conditioned him. He would have done it half-ass, and then he'd have walked off. It wouldn't have changed his behavior from a practice perspective because we we weren't addressing that situation. When you replace him because he's not performing that what you want him to, then that changes that behavior. And if it doesn't, then that's, you don't want him anyway. You know, he might be a scout team player for the rest of the year. That's a good point because I was OC. That happened to me. I had an offensive lineman like talking back, and I said, "You know what? Why don't you just go run around the field till I'm tired?" Like that's just what I thought. But I mm-hmm. put somebody else in there though, so I did kind of both. I was like, "Someone else is going to go in there, but you're just going to run until I'm tired." And then I got to Lombardi's. Was the first time where I saw how different things can be. Like now, Tuesdays we did helmets and shoulder pads. And that uh-huh. was a lower pass. We weren't tackling to the ground. We were just kind of like – it was more there for protection because, you know, kids might overdo it. And it was just kind of right. there for protection. And we could learn from offensive lineman perspective, like where the, the pads are to grab and like the uh-huh. and stuff. Then Wednesday was full pad, full go, this is it. And then Thursday was helmet shoulder pads, again, just for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized that watching um, the head coach there, Coach Walters – He's like, you have to adapt. He He's like, I'm an old school coach, but I had to adapt. So if a kid wasn't doing his job, he goes, they're going to stand right next to me and bring me some water and somebody else is going to play. He goes, that may sound harsh, but that's life. Like if you don't do your job, you get fired and mm. someone else is going to do it. And he said, back in the day, they would have ran the track and I would have done this. He goes, now they're going to stand here and watch. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part of, you know, I, my idea of toughness you know, when you have execution things like what you're talking about, Coach Leonard does and, and so forth, the kids have to understand there is a finite aspect of football. Like when it's fourth and two, that's it. Like you, you're not getting five more chances to get it right. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes in practice, you know, we're going to run this play 25 times till we get it right. Well, I don't know if that's sending the wrong message. You know, they have to understand like this is the thing that we need to execute and if we don't execute it, it's just done. And then they understand that that this is, you know, we have to perform because we're not going to get second, third, fourth, fifth chances for this single situation. You know, if we have to get an onside kick, we don't get three or four more chances. You know, if we're down three with 54 seconds to go and we have to execute an onside kick, we got to execute an onside kick. We're not getting any more chances. So if we practice it 25 times in practice till we get it right – we're kind of taking that aspect away from it. But if you do it in practice and we get it wrong and it was part of a big situation like, you know, something that that my offensive coordinator come up with that, that we want to add in is like a, you know, we, we get the ball and we have to score in six or less plays. Then we have to um, kick an onside and get it. And then we have to take a shot play and execute it as a part of practice. That might be our team offense. So that, you know, when we get into that game and we score in our first series and we hit that onside and then we know exactly what play we're running, you know, if we don't get that onside kick, then that kicker, I mean, we didn't execute. Maybe it was a bad kick. Well, don't you think maybe in his mind he's going to say, you know what, I need to work on that a little bit more. As opposed to I'm like, all right, let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. All right, let's do it again. On Friday, we got to get this in one time, you know, and we've all been guilty of run it again, run it again, run it again. But but then we're we're kind of building this sense of okay if we screw it up I'll get another chance, 
well, that's not really how it goes. And, and you know, obviously there's pl- there's tons of chances throughout a game. I'm not saying, you know, you miss one block, we're all screwed. But if it is fourth and one with four seconds left and you have to score to win, you would only get one shot. So let's put those situations out there and create toughness in that regard as opposed to, like I said, some, some of the other general things. Yeah, my first time being OC, you're bringing me back memories. You call a play and something didn't go right, so the position coach is like, hold on, stop. We got to talk about it and do it again. And then the longer I started to coach, I started to realize, like, for some reason, it takes you something to click. And you go, wait a minute. In a game, I can't walk out there and be like, hold on, hold on. Let's do it again so I can get it right. It's do it now. And if it doesn't, now we filmed a practice at Glombardis. When I finally got to Glombardis, we film it so I can watch it. And I'm like, well, right. you know what? This is why. So individual time, they can fix it. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's the time I don't think we realize. Individual time is where they learn how to block this run play, run this route. Then team time, when you work on – like team time should be – we might run a couple plays just to see, but situational is more important. And, and, we're, and we're putting it together, and, and we – we ran into that too. We were, we weren't very good at our buck. And, uh, what we realized was we were maybe only running buck sweep two times in team where our backs were actually with our, our guards. So they were only actually, and then in the game, they just weren't seeing the things like, you know, we were running through it in our indie time and in, you know, with our skill guys. So then we added in what we just call sweep drill where it's our center, both our guards, our wings, and our backs. And then our tackles and tight ends go work on something else. Well, we're working on those backs getting the ball and seeing those two guards in front of them. And they may get – we'll do one side of the field and we'll rotate back, so they may get 15 times going left and 15 times going right in it. As we're rotating back, not every back's going to get that. And we do it against the hand shields, and we're getting just tons more reps of seeing that action as opposed to – and that was just something that – Again, we're talking about, okay, yeah, we were throwing trash cans at them and doing things to get them to cut, but until you actually see what it looks like for the first guard to kick out and the second guard to wrap and you know understand how to get your foot in the ground. So that was uh, something that we had to realize that we weren't giving our kids those reps where they were having to do that in practice. And that, you know we had to make that adjustment. And now that's a staple drill of ours um, when we're putting that stuff in. Yeah, when I was at Eastern, that was when Jimmy G was there and Dino Babers, and I volunteered to help out spring ball. So I was there helping spring ball, and all their individual stuff they worked on, and then sometimes the quarterbacks and running backs would go with the linemen to work on inside zone and stuff because they had the Baylor offense going. Mm-hmm. And they came together for team, and they run a few plays, and Babers is there timing them to make sure it's off in 10 seconds or 12 seconds, however it was. Then they go back to individual and work on a little more. Then they came back and did it again. Now their team time wasn't very long. But it was just like, this is what we worked on now. We're going to come together and do it really quick. Then we go away. Mm-hmm. Then we come back and we do it again. Like another thing. So it might have been an inside zone. Then they come back and say, well, this is going to be power and inside zone. Now, how are you going to handle this? Now we're going to have two calls or whatever it is. Then they go boom, boom, boom. Yep. And team time wasn't 30 minutes. It might have been 10 minutes, if that. But he, the funny story is Babers one time, was he has a stopwatch. He stands there with a stopwatch and he's timing. And there was one time where it took him like 15 seconds to get plays off. He stopped everything and threw a fit. And I'm sitting there going, wow, he wants it off in 12, 10 seconds. And it's just boom, boom, boom. That's just seeing Dino Babers get mad is just just because they're not going fast enough. It's kind of funny. 
or mm-hmm. or it was 50 degrees and he comes out in a hoodie parka hat on gloves he's like i'm from texas and hawaii like this is ridiculous and in <laughs> illinois i'm in shorts and like a jacket and i'm like this, right. this is great it's really funny he's walking out like fat man in a little coat walking through um no i've taken all your time so i have one we didn't get into a whole ton of stuff so i apologize but i just love having a conversation one question i wanted to ask was you guys made it to the state title game a couple years ago what was that experience like for you, the coaches, the kids, and the program? Because I may never sniff it. And so I always ask you, like, what's that experience like getting the program to a state title? And then, like, did you keep the preparation the same? Or did you do – like, some coaches just change everything. Like, oh, I got to do this. Or did you just keep it exactly what you were doing and say, this is how we got here. This is how we're going to keep it. Um, well, a couple different things there. We had made it to the semis two different times, once in 2012 once in 2014 um 2012 we drew belleville all tough down there and we played our butts off they dropped down into 2a as a you know they played rochester the next year in 4a but um it was 14-7 with about six to play in the fourth quarter and they beat 28-7 um in 2014 we played one of our rivals carrollton um I think we were ahead seven to six at half. They had beat us in the regular season, 30 to 12. We were ahead seven to six at home. They beat us 22 to seven. So we didn't make it, you know, but in, in both of those situations, you have to send game film to the the media. You have to go on the IHSA and fill out all your stuff so that, you know, if you win, um, they've got all your information. So you got to do all that prep work. So then 2018 rolls around and we were playing a really good Argentina team that was undefeated. And, um, it was like 14, 14, the first like two minutes of the game. And we were able to get some stops and, and we actually um, hit a Philly special right before half and then a big double dive run. And, and uh, we were able to win that game. And I remember being kind of surreal because it's like, you know, that that's always the, the big game, you know, like getting past the semifinals because, you know, it's to get there and, and you know, that would have been our third time and not make it would have been extremely tough. Um, so during the playoffs, we don't practice at all on Mondays, um, because we play on Saturdays. So, you know, if we don't practice on Sunday when we play on Fridays, why do I need to practice on Monday? You know, we, we don't change that. We have, we have an ex- actually an extra day of preparation. Um, and so like every day moves back through a normal playoff. So Tuesday becomes our Monday and so forth. Right. So obviously when it comes down to uh, the state Friday, so we just, we had to move everything back. So we really had an even shorter time to prepare because we played Saturday. We had a long bus trip home. Sunday was our prep day. And then we had to be ready with film on Monday like normal. And then we did our normal Tuesday helmets. Wednesday was full pads. We actually brought the community out. Uh, no, wait, that was Thursday. So Wednesday was our full pad. Thursday was our, our um, walkthrough. We let the community come out. I think the Booster Club served coffee and all that. They got to practice. Um, it, was, it was Thursday morning before Thanksgiving. We, I let the kids go home and eat with their families and stuff like that. Um, and then we hopped on the bus. And so we tried to keep all that stuff as normal as we could, you know, obviously um, the experience of getting over there and what, you know, the things your community shows up and, you know, we're getting all these meals and steak dinners. And I mean, you name it, our, our team meals got amazing as we went along, not that they weren't already, but um, and then to see all the people that came the night before that are in our hotel and, you know, just the crowd. And then 
when we got up that next day and, and we went over there, we, Illinois was finishing up practice, but then we got to just kind of, our kids got to hang out on the field. Um, and we got to get up in the press box and get our stuff set up. You know, you could just see them down there being kids. They were, you know, they were just running around with the football and having fun and, and, uh, you know, and then, then I was the last guy out of the, you know, through the tunnel, you know, so our, our players take the field and then to hear the, an entire side roar, as our first kids start running out, you know, it just gives you that the goosebumps. And then, you know, to be out there once the warm up started, then it was a game, you know, we, we, what we needed to do. And, and we knew we, we had our hands full against a really good forest and team. Um, and we had a great first drive and got down inside the five, but had a penalty. And then, um, they were, they were really good. Um, and then we couldn't get much going, but our kids kept fighting and, and you know, we got our butts kicked in that game. Um, and we played them 10 times. We probably don't beat them. I think it could, you know, it could have been a little closer if a few things go our way, but, but we're probably not beating them, you know, 10 times out of 10 or, or one time out of 10. But at the end of the day, you know, our kids got an opportunity to go out and, and show what they were about and they competed and, and uh, you know, we didn't put what we wanted out on the field, but the bus ride home or, or actually it was the next day um, that the text started coming in and, and, uh, messages from our seniors. I mean, we had just gotten beat pretty bad. And so their, their career ended, but nothing was about that game. All of the messages were coach. I can't thank you enough. Can't thank you and the coaches enough. You know, I would, wouldn't be here. This is the best time of my life. Appreciate everything you've done. You know, it wasn't like coach, you know, how did we get beat that bad? That, that stuff happens and they are a good team. And sometimes you lose, sometimes you win, you know, you can do what you think, everything right. Um, but sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way and, and things, you know, just don't go your way. And, but the experience and those guys, um, you know, it's something that they'll, they'll never forget. I, we just, to finish this, we just uh, got new jerseys this year that we haven't been able to use yet, but um, I just opened up our old ones to be for sale. And about every player uh, in the last four years um, has called me and wanted to buy their jersey. You know, so in some, you know, I could, I told him I'd only sell them one because I think we had these jerseys for like six years. So we've had them, you know, in some cases, two kids wore it, but uh, yeah, they all want their Jersey and they're all, you know, they were all jacked up to, to get their Jersey that they wore to play. And I, I mean, that, that again, kind of reiterated and solidified, you know, the fact that all of these kids, 60 kids are, are, are wanting their Jersey that they played in, you know, obviously it meant something to them and, and um, you know, the state, game was the kind of the icing on the cake but you know it's it's all the things up to that and the other games and the relationships and all that and and, and, you know my hope is every year that we can play as long as we possibly can for these kids to to be able to put that jersey on as long as they can yeah we did that at another school that's a good uh fundraiser too to sell the old jersey for kids Mm -hmm. it helps them oh i wore that jersey i want it you know it's good for them and then it's a fundraiser we did the same thing the head coach he's like yeah we got new jerseys they came in. They're still in the box. You haven't touched them because we can't play. Like right. <laughs> and then it comes down to should I have even bought them? That's the next thing. It's like should I have even done that? Uh, but they're in the box. Baseball did too. Our school baseball got New Jersey's. Yeah, they wore them twice or whatever, and then season. Mm-hmm. And it's tough. Um, what do you think about Coach Bielema getting hired at Illinois? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean. I didn't want, I mean, I understand Wisconsin was good. I didn't really look at it from a Wisconsin standpoint. I've been an Illinois fan my whole life. 
Um, didn't really pay attention when he went down to Arkansas, but um, you know, just the coaches he's been around the NFL and Belichick and, um, and then to see most of these seniors deciding to come back for their fifth or sixth year. I mean, I think that says a lot. Uh, I'm still anxious as he keeps building the staff to see all, you know, who's there. And, and I think the more guys with Illinois ties, the better, obviously, I think we can all agree that, the, that we were missed in that Illinois recruiting component. And, and it's been something that's been talked about probably for the last two or three staffs, but it just hasn't seemed like it's, it's happened. So uh, he said all the right things. Uh, I feel like he's sincere. Um, I do think that, that this is for him at, at his age of 50, you know, if he can retire as the head football coach at Illinois, I think he, he will, you know, um, so I don't think he's looking for another job. So I hope it works out for him. You know, I still watch those games. I still watch the bears. Now the bears have turned it around a little bit, but it's been tough at times to be an Illinois and a bears fan, um, this year, basketball's getting it, getting it turned around. So hopefully, you know, but that weekend where I think Illinois football lost bad to Iowa, Illinois basketball lost to Missouri. And I, it might've been the same week the bears gave up that game to Detroit. It was a rough, rough week to be a sports fan, but you know, that happens. That that's part of it. So, you know, same things happen in high school. You know, you can put the best thing out there and they don't go your way. And, and sometimes you get beat, sometimes you get beat big and, and that's just part of life. You learn from it, move on. Yeah. I grew up 20 minutes from campus, like in 50 in Oakwood, like it's 25 minutes from U of I. And so we're very critical about what went on, but we're also, I love being an only fan because we're not too high and we're not too right. low. We're right in the middle. So mm-hmm. when people talk, we can look from the outside and looking in. Like, like personally, I don't think Ohio State's as good as everybody says they are because I can look at it from a coach perspective and like a overall. And then like being an Illinois fan, I'm not too high and I'm not too low. I'm right there. Uh, I watched Coach Bill in Wisconsin and Arkansas. And so watching him at Arkansas, he was like punching a brick wall because it just kind of seemed like he wouldn't adapt to nothing. It was kind of like no offense mm-hmm. to him. It just kind of right. seemed like this is what we're going to do. You know, that, that pro-style offense, which is fine, but it was just like, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I think that's why you keep hearing him say, I've changed, I'm adapting. And I think that's why, because Ar- I think Arkansas, he was trying to prove something. Because you had the athletic director of Wisconsin, this legendary football coach over him. Right. And I think when he went to Arkansas, it was like, I'm going to go to the SEC, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then getting fired, learning from Belichick, going to Giants. That's why – so when people say, like, well, I didn't know that, because he keeps repeating himself, like, I'm going to change. I'm going to adapt. I'm going to do the best. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why. I think he learned going to Arkansas, like, oh, I can't just run full back three times in a row and expect this. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this, this, and this. And so then I kind of hope, no offense to the strength and conditioning there, I kind of hope they bring in what you guys do over there, what Indiana's doing, what, you know, Ohio State does, Alabama. No offense to what's going on there. I'm not talking bad. Everybody there knows more than I'll ever know. <laughs> it just seemed like Illinois was quick at first, and then it was like we're going to f- curls for the girls type of things. Like we're going to get this. They need some mm-hmm. speed. They need some power because the Penn State game, they looked like a competent football team the first quarter and a half, and all of a sudden speed took over, and it was just like they couldn't keep up. So I kind of hope they go to what you guys do. Call Bill up right now and be like, hey, this is what we do. This is what you guys need to be. No, they, they know way more than I do, but yeah, I, I'm hopeful that, that, um, they'll get some people in there in the strength conditioning staff that will, um, you know, emphasize, you know, some of the speed 
power output, those types of things. I mean, Alabama is, is doing an amazing job of tracking all that stuff and, and focusing on that. And, and obviously I think it's going to take someone like that in college to really, you know, obviously Indiana people are, are seeing what's happened there where those guys were at Indiana. Um, and now they're at Alabama. And I think more people are going to start, you know, going away from some of the, you know, can we wear sleeveless shirts and have huge biceps or can we perform out on the field? And I'm not saying you can't have both, but you know, you've got to figure out, you know, what is your priority? You know, is it bodybuilding? Is it, you know, what you look like without a sleeves on or is it, you know, how you perform? And Yeah, because when Coach West was telling me about all that stuff, I really watched the game a little differently. I watched it as a coach and a fan. I started to really watch what he was talking about. Like I said, I just know the gist of it. You guys are no way more. I started to really watch it as the season goes. I was like, if you watch Alabama from Ole Miss till now, they've gotten faster. Oh, yeah. Like what you're talking about, they're fresh. Because like, is this – maybe I'm wrong. And I know I'm keeping you longer. I have this question. It wasn't like they sprint really hard on Wednesdays and then they do nothing for two days before they play. Like they really relax. I don't know where I heard that. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways to do it. I'm not sure exactly how Alabama's doing it. Some people like um, like with the Oregon model and, and Jimmy Radcliffe, they like to kind of a high intense, really short the day before they play just to prime the central nervous system. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely the overall idea is you don't start on Monday with 100% energy and grind them down to about 60% and then expect to play, you know, lights out. So you've got to have that high, low um, Charlie Francis model in there where, you know, there's some days that are going to be high intense or some periods of practice that are going to be high intense, but then there's some periods that, or days that are going to be more fundamental based and not go, go, go high intense so that we can recover back to another high intense day the next day. Yeah. Cause, cause Nathan was telling me that he was a head coach at Georgetown for a couple of years and I went and watched his practice and, and hung out with them. He said that if I went now and watched his track practice, I might get bored sometimes. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, we run, but then we're going to sit down for a while to relax, yeah. to get people faster. Cause he's the girls track coach. And he's building up that track program pretty much from the ground up. He's like, people probably walk by or drive by and be like, isn't track practice supposed to be running? Why are they sitting there for five minutes? And he goes, we have to relax them and then get them back up to do this. Right. And he's like, they've gotten, he, he told me, he's like, they went from like 18 miles an hour to like 20 miles an hour or something like that. He's yeah. Like, it's just great. There's a difference between running and sprinting. And it took me a long time to understand that those weren't the same thing. <laughs> you got to be rested to sprint. You can run all day long. I mean, marathoners run for hours. You can't sprint for that long. Yeah. So he taught me some things. And so I told him I was talking to you and he was like, Oh, I want to ask him these many questions. He didn't get them to me. So he missed out, but <laughs> he got a little busy. Hopefully uh, we covered some of it. Yeah. He wants to talk more with me about it, but then he told me, he's like, well, I got to go watch more of their stuff first. Coach Dixon's coach, Tony Hollers and all of them. Like he's like, I got to go watch that first. Um, but no, I appreciate it. I don't want to get too in depth with it because I know you've got stuff out there people can look at and stuff. But um, I like having conversation outside of if you do X's and O's all day and you do that sprint stuff all day, it's nice to have other conversation of like, I don't have to do this all day. It's talking about other things. So, Coach, I yeah, appreciate I've, it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, it was a, a quick hour and 45 minutes. I apologize. That's what happens, guys. I, I record and then we start going. Then I look over, I'm like, oh, crap. Like it's been, <laughs> and it doesn't feel like it. it's like we just started and now it's that. This is free. Like, therapy. 
Yes, luckily coaches out there can hit the stop button at any time. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it. It's, <laughs> you, you listen or you don't. It's it's I'm not I'm not uh Joe Rogan and making a hundred million dollars off of right. That's who I watch though. With no film, I watch other podcasts and see how well they do it. I'm like, how do they do this? And I started to realize I'm watching this like film. <laughs> I'm going a little yeah. crazy, like I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Hey, I, I do the same. I'm a, I've been a basketball official for the last five years. I think I coached it for 12 or 13 or 14. So I'll catch myself watching a college game, but I'll be watching the officials' mechanics and not not even the game because I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I like that, you know. Or 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 I'll rewind a block charge call, not not as a fan, but as an official, and see, you know, if I would have called it the same thing. So I think we're all, like I said, we're we're all. We all are driven to to try to be the best of what we do, no matter if it's a podcast or a football coach or strength conditioning or whatever. And and I think that's what keeps us going and, and keeps us out there, you know, trying to learn and get better. Yeah, because during a football season, I watch games on Saturdays, but I watch it more as a fan. Now, there's sometimes I watch it from a coach, but since we're coaching already, it's like, you know, it's nice to just sit on Saturday and put on an Illinois game, put on whoever and just watch it. Mm-hmm. Now that we haven't had anything, I'm watching podcasts, how to get better. I've watched this college football scene. I've watched more as a coach than anything else. And basketball, with my Illinois basketball on, I'm watching it more of, I'm like, oh, that pick and roll defense stinks. Like, what are they doing? Like, I'm watching more of it as a coach than mm-hmm. I am as a fan. Then I start to realize I'm losing my mind. And so that's why this, this podcast is free therapy. I took a week off for Christmas, but I'm like, this is therapy. I got to do something because I'm losing my mind. And yeah. I can imagine these kids too. Like that's where it hurts even more. I'm like if I'm losing my mind as an adult and I can handle it, I don't these kids that to end it all, like these kids, I can't imagine being 14, 15 years old. We can handle because we're in our thirties. They can't, it's hard. Like it, it's just, it's really hard, especially what's been going on. So hopefully we get back to it soon. For sure. Well, coach, I appreciate it. Guys out there, stay safe, wear your masks so we can get back to normal. So I'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Winner.